0: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. (laughs) You're listening to Maria Marino on 98.7 ESPN.
1: We are rolling along here, Maria Marino, here with you for the next hour. My first solo show here on ESPN New York. What a day. And I'm so excited now to bring in another guest for my first ever solo show. And he is a colleague of mine from Action Network, NBA writer, podcaster, content extraordinaire, Joe Dallara. How you doing, Joe?
2: I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here.
1: I'm excited to have you. Thanks so much for agreeing to do it. And so at Action Network, I do a lot of betting-related content. And I know you are betting and therefore watching the nba more than most people i know and not only that you're you know a jersey native and a knicks fan so i figured perfect time to have you on let's start with this so at the all-star break we see the shortest title odds for the knicks 18 to 1 or so since 2012 2013 do you think the knicks are a title contender
2: I think a lot of it really depends on the health of Julius Randle, right? So Like, we don't totally know. There was a video that kind of got leaked today where he was shooting hoops in the background, so hopefully he's on the way to recovery. But I think that they could be a title contender just based on the way that the East kind of sets up. Boston, obviously, like, rightful favorite. They've been tremendous. But if the Knicks can get into the part of the bracket, like the 2-3 spot where you don't have to play Boston maybe until the conference finals, there's definitely a path for them to go forward. They were dynamic when they were really healthy uh, after the OGN and OB trade when they had everybody together. Uh, but they kind of got hit with the injury bug a little bit right now. So I think I think maybe the way that I probably would like to back the Knicks is more on a conference way uh, as opposed to a title way, even though you know I am a Knicks fan. Uh, but I do think that if you can get a conference ticket, that might be a little bit safer. But I think we really do need to know about the health of Julius Randle moving forward.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, injury bug is an understatement, and we will wait to hear more about Randall's status and and keep an eye on that for sure. But, you know, when you compare the Knicks to, say, the Celtics or another top-tier team, what do you think is the biggest difference? Like, where where does the gap lie between the Knicks and the Celtics?
2: Uh, I think to a degree. Like, some of it is in that, like, super top-tier talent, right? I mean, we have Jalen Brunson, we have Julius Randle, uh, both tremendous players, both all-stars this year. But there's always, like, been the question, like, a lot of people are questioning whether or not, you know, that they are on the same tier as, like, a Shea Gildas Alexander, a Donovan Mitchell, uh, you know, a Nikola Jokic, a Joel Embiid, that type of player. So that's always, I think, what people's hesitancy is with the Knicks. Um, and especially because in like, this day and age, it does seem like all these teams that win, they have that player that's in like that upper echelon MVP type of conversation. But with New York, they're so well coached and they're so deep. Like the starting five is so strong across the board with like injury replacements, even uh, and guys off the bench like Josh Hart or, you know, even precious Achua now that they are a really good team from top to bottom. So I think that if the, like if things break right for them, uh, they have a path, but I think that's the difference, right? Like a lot of it has to do with whether or not they have a pass or what matchups they have. Whereas some of these other teams are like, I don't really care who they play. Like I think that they're that good.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I feel like, you know, the Bucks or the Celtics, you're like, whoever whoever we're playing, you know, we should be able to advance. Whereas just about everyone else are trying they're trying to avoid the Bucs or the Celtics like playing them earlier than they have to. So that makes a lot of sense to me. The other team I wanted to ask you about in the East is Cleveland because they're ahead of the Knicks um, and even the Bucs at the moment. Are they different this year to you than they, they were last year? And if so, you know, what's changed?
2: So I think the biggest difference between last year and this year for the Cavs is they had that, they had their injury bug already and they really, live. They survived without Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. So to me, the big difference between last year and this year is that they kind of got to experiment with some different things. They got to see what things work. They got to see like who can really contribute off the bench for them uh, and get like meaningful minutes for guys like Max Schroes. Um, I feel Coro needed some good minutes. Karis Levert got some more minutes. And they saw that they can kind of run a pretty effective offense with Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen even. And they both have been Incredible this season. So I think that now the big test for Cleveland is going to be incorporating some of the things that they learned when Darius Garland and Evan Mobley were out with them returning here. So I think it's a great opportunity because Garland and Mobley both are excellent players for them. Uh, but maybe it gives J.B. Bickerstaff, you know, he kind of got roasted for the loss to the Knicks last year in the postseason. But maybe it gives him a couple more tools in his arsenal to move forward for Cleveland this year.
1: Here's here's the deal. Uh, what I was trying to say was with the Knicks and the Cavs, wouldn't it be interesting if they actually were able to rematch? Because <laughs> on one hand, you know, the Knicks would feel pretty good about themselves considering they won last year. But on the other hand, you have sort of this revenge factor, I think, with the Cavs. And as you alluded to, Donovan Mitchell is, yeah, he, he's a bad man. And uh, they, are, they are a threat for sure, 18 and four um, since the start of the new year. But I want to keep this rolling. And as, as we're talking about long term stuff, I actually saw, so with Action Network, you know we have our slack channel and and you slacked this uh, last night, Luca, MVP because uh, he had forty one, eleven, and nine in a win over the suns last night. Are you buying Luca as MVP right now?
2: I, I, it was hard not to see last night. I bit a little bit. There was a nine to one in the market. I think now the best is maybe a six or a seven to one. Um, I think that right now, it's, it's really like a two-man race, but Luka is kind of making it and forcing the issue into like a three-man race between him, Jokic, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, when we look at some of the advanced metrics, though, like Jokic is still just incredible. But when you watch, and like well, obviously when you watch Jokic, it's unbelievable. But what Luka does, I feel like every time I tune in, he's incredible. Like I'm like, what is he doing next? And, you know, he's got triple doubles left and right. It's, it's unbelievable watching him play ball.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, I think if he continues that sort of a clip and they win at like a ferocious level here, it could be enough to sort of turn that narrative tide because it, it, you need a lot at this point. We've already already kind of like married ourselves to this idea of Shea Gilgis Alexander potentially being the MVP. So, you know, it would take a lot to overturn that, if you will. But um want to ask you about looking ahead to tomorrow as well. As you already discussed, we know that the Knicks are shorthanded. And so it's it's going to be a tall task against Boston. But what are you expecting in particular from this matchup?
2: I mean, the Knicks always play the Celtics pretty tough. Uh, the Knicks are a super physical team. And I think that that's something that kind of bothers Boston stylistically. So it's a six-and-a-half, seven-point spread right now. I think the Knicks can keep it close despite the injuries. Uh, it might be hard for them to win outright. Uh, they've kind of been able to keep these games close, but they've struggled to really win. But it's, been, it's another revenge game for Chris Porzingis, actually, and he's been pretty awesome against the Knicks. He's averaging 22 points a game in 11 career games against the Knicks, um, and he's had 20-plus and six straight with three threes in all, in all six of those games as well.
1: I'm glad you brought up KP because the more I think about it, it's not necessarily when we were talking about like what sets certain teams apart from the Knicks or like from that top tier. Like it's not even just necessarily the talent. I think it's specifically like an elite skilled big like that seems to be the that seems to create the matchup nightmare. Um, How about. Picks. Do you want to leave us with any picks for either tonight or tomorrow uh, before we let you go?
2: Yeah, I can get you both. So for Ooh. tomorrow for that for the next for the next game, I'll be taking Porzingis over 18 and a half points, um, and I'll probably play some three plus threes as well, and that's about plus 200. If you if you kind of like some long shots, but for tonight, uh, the pick that I really like, um, I'm looking at uh, Aaron Gordon. Over nine and a half rebounds plus assists against the Portland Trail Blazers. He's hit that in 100% of games without Jamal Murray this season, who's going to be missing this game. Uh, and I also like Anthony Edwards to go over 26 and a half points against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the Bucks have just been Swiss cheese for shooting guards <laughs> and lead guards. So Anthony Edwards should really play well, and I expect him to perform pretty good against the Bucks tonight.
1: Ah, okay. Well, you heard it here first. Once again, my colleague, From Action Network, Joe Dallara. If you go and follow him on Twitter, X, um, also we have the Action Network app. I mean, you will not regret it. More picks like that and just great NBA analysis. Joe, I really appreciate you joining me here on ESPN New York.
2: All right, thanks for having me, and congrats on the first solo show.
1: Thanks so much. I'll be talking to you soon, friend. All right, bye. Later. Oh man, good times with Joe. Sorry about the tech difficulty there in the middle, but got through it. Um he's a great sport though. Hey, um I do actually have one other Knicks call right now, so I might as well go to it. I want to go to Carl in Queens. What's up, Carl?
0: Hey, Maria. I really enjoyed talking to you. I hope you're on more. Thank um, you. I was I was um I was at the Philly game last night and nice. um let me just let me just quickly say this before I talk about the game. There is nothing better, Maria, than waving at the Sixers fans leaving the arena <laughs> with seven minutes to go in, in the fourth quarter. And I swear, uh, it was at least 35% Knicks fans. I mean, that's why you go to those kind of games, Maria. I, they were blowing them out in the first quarter. Ojan went off. I know. I, overall, though, to go to, go to the game, <clears throat> excuse me, um, overall, good team win. Uh, everyone did their job pretty much. JB took over the game third quarter. Third third quarter, we kind of kind of slowed it down. But Tyrese Maxey, Maria, mm-hmm. is a dog. He is special. First time I've seen him live, and I was screaming, "Oh no!" Every time he had the ball, because you know what was gonna happen. He was either gonna create for his teammate, or he was gonna put the ball in the net. It was amazing. He is. If I was um, to sidetrack. If I was – I forget the uh, Sixers' GM, but if I was mm. him, you get, you get him beat back in the playoffs, exit your second round like you do every year, get his value back up, get what you can for him, and Maxi is your guy. And I hate
3: Philadelphia. But
1: <laughs> yes, but even <laughs> that's, you, that's Carl, can do. admit when you got a stud, and I couldn't agree more, and thank you so much for the phone call. I'm so – I'm, I'm thrilled for you that, that he that he got to go to that game. I mean, I guess I'm not really surprised. As I said before, Jalen Brunson has talked about Knicks fans travel pretty well, and Philly's not that far away. And then you throw in the fact that you have not one, not two, three former national champs from Villanova on the squad, and you know your uh, your Nova fans are going to show up, your New York fans are going to show up. It's not that far away. One thing I have to complain about, and it's nothing to do with the Knicks. It's the, the Sixers. Oh, I, I feel so bad, but the in-house DJ, it's probably not even a DJ choice. It's, it's like an arena choice. The music that they play whenever the opposing team is on offense. It's like relentless. It's like the, dun-un, dun-un. and it's like so loud and annoying. I can't stand it. Whenever I watch Philly home games, that's just a, that's just an aside by me. Um, But, yeah, uh, he was talking about the Sixers GM, uh, Elton Brand, and that's another reason why I give the Knicks so much credit for pulling out that win because Tyrese Maxey was going off. Tyrese Maxey had 35, and he just was able to do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. Luckily, it came down to the last couple of plays, and, you know, the Knicks were able to weather the storm. But between... How well Maxie played and the fact that Jalen Brunson kind of had an off game for him, not that he played poorly, but just some uncharacteristic turnovers, uncharacteristic inefficiency. That was a huge, huge win for the Knicks and already talked about how much I am thrilled with Precious Achua, someone who I was not familiar with before this trade with the Raptors back in December and he actually he's, he was born in Nigeria, went to high school um, in the Bronx and then Newark. So he's, he's from around here. He's only 24 years old. They got a good one. And that is though it's those types of pieces that are going to go so far in the depth of this team and helping this team, I think exceed expectations. Now, if we could only get a couple of the other headlining guys Back healthy, particularly OG Ananobi and Julius Randle. OG sounds like he's closer. Randall sounds a little iffy, but I do still, it still sounds to me that these are relatively short term injuries and that they should be back um, in time for the postseason. It's just a matter of keeping your head above water until then, because as my friend Joe was just talking about, Like the matchup is everything in this Eastern Conference. If you get the right path, that's going to determine how far you're able to go. How long can you avoid running into Boston, number one, and then running into Milwaukee? Because I still, at the end of the day, I still have a hard time thinking that you're going to get through Milwaukee, unless, like we saw last season there's an injury to Giannis or something like that, which nobody wants to see, you know, you always want to see the best of the best compete, but Damian Lillard is still elite. We haven't, they haven't scratched the surface in my opinion of what they're going to be able to do. And I know there's a lot of question marks around Doc Rivers and they're three and seven since he, he took over as head coach, but these things take time. Um, Chemistry takes time to form and, That's a big reason why I felt skeptical coming into the season with just all of the turnover with Milwaukee, like making the decision to fire Budenholzer. And then in hindsight, that was probably not what you should have done, given that you're going to sort of upturn the roster with trading for Damian Lillard. Of course, you didn't know that that was going to materialize in that way, but it's really hard to just build that chemistry. And it, it's it's proving more and more important for the NBA. All right, I need to take a break. Uh, we're going to talk more about this um, afterwards. And what I, I think is interesting too, I talked about Jalen Brunson and his path to coming to the Knicks. He talked about the Mavs. I want to juxtapose that a little bit with another player that we heard um, in an interview this week, and that was Kevin Durant. So we're going to do that after the break. Stay with me. Maria Marino on ESPN New York until 9 o'clock.
0: This is the Dan Grasse Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: While I have a moment, I should probably clear something up because on the K-Show earlier, you know, the guys were kind enough to promo the show coming up and Peter Rosenberg had to joke around that I'm Dan Marino's daughter. Just to clarify, there is no relation (laughs) between myself and Dan Marino. My father's name is Paul. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's listening. I wouldn't even be surprised if he called up and lit up the phone lines in the next half hour or so. But uh, yeah, (laughs) just want to clear that up. No, I am not a Nepo baby, as Michael K said. (laughs) Oh, man, it was so fun listening to those guys, though, in the lead up. Like, just so cool for me to to follow up on their show with my first solo show. Um, in case you haven't heard me before, I've been on a few times, filled in for DNR, uh, Christmas Week with Jake Asman, and uh, once or twice prior to that. And um, I, I want to keep talking about Jalen Brunson and the Knicks, but also juxtapose it a bit with Kevin Durant who was on uh he did a boardroom interview with his you know friend and agent and business partner Rich Kleiman which I thought was really really interesting but basically when we spoke earlier we were talking about Jalen Brunson on on all the smoke the podcast and he just talked about wanting to wanting to come to the Knicks and I, I think we have to remember that you know, he wouldn't have wanted to come here in unless he saw something promising. And that required Julius Randle coming here first. So credit credit to Julius Randle, credit to Tom Thibodeau, what they built, you know, a, a playoff appearance for the first time since 2012, 2013, when they made it there in 2021. And by the way, Randall playing MVP-like in that season. So don't forget that. And yes, we have to remember, too, that he had some other, I think, factors that came into play, you know, being from here. His his father, Rick Brunson, being um, involved in, in coaching with the organization, ends up being hired as an assistant coach. Um, Leon Rose and his family going way back. So there were some extra, there was some extra like enticing things for Jalen Brunson when he came here. Whereas, you know, Kevin Durant, he when he talked on the interview with Rich Kleiman for boardroom, he was he was asked flat out about the comment when he said that the Knicks weren't cool. So you gotta you gotta go back now, okay, because it was twenty nineteen when Durant signed with the Nets. And I have to say that at the time he was right. At the time, the Knicks weren't cool. Like, and it, and it's just crazy when you go back, and we know how everything unfolded. And it was it was something that the Nets they had to do. Okay, like there's just there's no there's no denying. Even even if even knowing everything that transpired, you still go back and do that because you have to take the chance, and things you know, worked out the way that they did. There were some totally unforeseen circumstances with pandemics and vaccines and uh, just a whole lot of things that you couldn't have really expected. But they did what they did. And I I just think it's important to remember that at that time, the Nets were doing something really cool. And it's just such a shame that, Kenny Atkinson ended up being let go. And now we're on the heels of yet another coaching change. I believe four coaching changes now under Sean Marks. So it's, it's wild, but it's upsetting to me because I think back to the way that the Nets were like organically building and even having to get under that crazy trade that they did with Boston with the aging stars they still got back to the playoffs and they were, they were rebuilding actually ahead of schedule before all this stuff went down. So now they're kind of having to to start over. And I, I feel for Nets fans in that regard, because you have somebody, you know, they actually made out fairly well considering with the trade that they did with Durant and you get Mikhail Bridges and you get Cam Thomas. And so I guess I'm wondering, like, how do Nets fans feel when they hear this interview with Kevin Durant? So Nets fans, if you're listening, give me a call. 800-919-ESPN, 800-919-3776. And I know we talk a lot about, like, the fandom in the city. Of course the Knicks are going to have – they have a, a much – um more established brand and, and history and and so a lot more a lot more fans in the city and of course with them being good and and being in playoff contention they're going to go to Brooklyn and they're going to have a friendly crowd i mean you you just saw it in philly of course you're going to see it in brooklyn so let's not be too surprised about that but i i i hear what durant was saying like at the time in 2019 that was just prior to things starting to turn around for the Knicks. Now, though, things looking for looking good for the Knicks, not so much for the Nets. Craig is on hold from New Jersey, and he wants to talk about Brunson. Craig, how you doing?
0: How you doing? Um, all right. I'm a, I'm a Knicks fan from a while ago, but I haven't had the nerve to watch a, 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 a whole game all the time like I used to. But I got to tell you, you guys are looking at Brunson's stats all wrong. Hmm. Last night, he lost the ball a few times, wasn't scoring from the field, but still scored 21, made all his free throws, had 12 assists. He hmm. wasn't making it from the field, but stayed the game and facilitated assists and got that great steal at the end of the game. That guy kept his head in the game, even though he did all those turnovers. That takes real New York Nick character and I hope his coach uh, scolded him for the turnovers but told him how great he was staying in the game. That's a great stat to do that, that this guy stayed, kept his head in the game, and that's a big deal. And uh, I actually starting to like this guy. So <laughs> starting?
1: Wow. Uh, well, Craig, I actually really appreciate the phone call. I think that's mm-hmm. a fantastic point, in fact, um, because as I mentioned, he, he was – like when I say a Jalen Brunson game – I'm talking about pretty much perfection. Like that's how highly I think of Jalen Brunson. He rarely makes mistakes. He always makes the right decision. You always feel comfortable with the ball in his hands. He's he just leads with with every thing that he can do as a, as a, a person who he is as a skilled player. He's calm. He's collected. But. That being said, last night was not a Jalen Brunson game. Like, he clearly was struggling a bit from the field. He was 5 of 18, and he did have seven turnovers. Like I said, this is not typical of him, but the caller brings up a good point that he still will produce for you, and he still will make plays down the stretch. Like, he had a a key steal toward the end of the game, I remember, and he is great at getting to the free throw line. And 11 of 11 from the free throw line – the 12 assists, I mean, money. And, you know, it's not like you're dishing it out to Julius Randle, right? Like, <laughs> you, you're missing some of your guys. And to still be able to distribute and facilitate like that, I think that is um, super impressive. And it's good to know that the Knicks can grind out wins even if their best player isn't playing their best game and also that they can grind out wins when they're a bit short-handed. So, no knock on Jalen Brunson. I I just found it impressive, frankly, that you know, he wasn't playing flawlessly and that they were still able to beat the 76ers and and to to perform and be in the lead wire to wire in that game. Once again, you had a stud in in Tyrese Maxey just I mean, again, doing whatever he wanted to. They made it difficult, but they withstood the storm and all credit to Jalen Brunson for that. So, like I said, um curious, I'm curious, uh, if there are any Nets fans out there, I don't I don't mean to poke fun, um, but I just know that they're probably used to hearing those types of jokes on sports radio. But if if you feel so inclined and want to call up 800 919 espn 800-919-3776. Um, I'm just curious like how how do you feel about Kevin Durant? Cuz I have a long, I will admit, I have a long like history with with Kevin Durant and my feelings. <laughs> like I'm not going to lie. I think, you know, back when he made his decision to go to Golden State in that 2016 offseason, that was a that was a time that like really shaped my My NBA viewing career, if you will, and my media career, because it was just something that turned me completely upside down. And I wasn't a fan and I loved I I fell in love truly with the NBA in a way I hadn't before watching Steph Curry um, and the Warriors in that regular season record breaking lead up. You know, to the postseason that ultimately ended in disappointment at the hands of the Cavs, but I, I felt like they were already so good, and I felt like I was, I, I felt like Prime Steph was kind of being taken away from me a, a little bit when when Kevin Durant went there, um, and so, like I said, it's a long, complicated sort of relationship I have with with following Durant, and then you know him coming to Brooklyn and. Me ultimately, at the time, I was a big fan of what Brooklyn was doing and how they were rebuilding. and I was a big fan of Kenny Atkinson, who's by the way, with the Warriors now. um and so it was it was an intriguing time for the Nets, and I just wonder, you know where where they go from here. um and i I learned to have a little bit more appreciation for Durant. I'll say that and just listening to that that boardroom interview because. You you could tell that the decisions that he has made in his career, and in particular, you know, going to Golden State and then Brooklyn, they were, for him, basketball decisions. I mean, say what you want about the other players that he played with, Kyrie, whoever. Like, Durant cares about the game. He made decisions not based on legacy, clearly, because I don't think he realized um, how much going to say Golden State was going to was going to affect his his legacy conversation but he he made those decisions because he was thinking about his game what's best for my game um and so I found that and I do appreciate him for his skill and his candor I think sometimes he doesn't get the same love and admiration from from um from fans as some other players because he's not that He's just not that, like, jovial and enthusiastic. But I also think that in the back of a lot of fans' minds, they still – some of his decisions still don't sit well. But, um, but yeah, curious if there are any Nets fans. I would be curious um, just how you view KD right now. But, um, hey, we do have Lonnie on hold right now from Harlem. I do want to go to Lonnie real quick before we take a break.
3: Hi, Maria. Hello how are you shout out to the company
1: (laughs) hello hello long time no speak
3: yeah yeah just wanted to call in and congratulate you on your first show you already know huge fans since 1989 (laughs) so just just wanted to call and congratulate you on your first show solo it's been great listening to you and i hope you know john and espn get uh get you on here more Well,
1: thank you so much, Lonnie. Appreciate you calling in. We're actually going to take a break right now. And it's so funny that Lonnie said that he's a big fan since 1989 because um, famously during the Christmas week when I filled in for DNR, my dad, not Dan, Paul, Paul Marino called in and said <laughs> that he's been a fan of me since 1989. Of course, the producers had no idea he was my father, so they are like looking at me like, who is this guy? And I'm like, yeah, I know him. Um, and I think he's actually calling in, so we're going to talk to him after the break. That's my tease. Stick around. I need to take a break. I need to get some water. But I want to talk to my dad when we come back.
0: This is The Dan Grasse Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: As promised, we're going to talk to my dad, Paul Marino, because he was a fan favorite when he called in to DNR uh, during Christmas week. And so, Pops, you're on. How are you? (laughs) I'm okay. It's flying by.
3: How are you? It is really going. Good. It's a great show. Not Thank to be, you. Not to be confused with Dan. I just have a couple of points. <laughs>
1: okay, perfect.
3: I could use some of his money, but that's another story.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm curious, Dad. Um, like, what, out of what we've been talking about tonight, like, what what's resonating with you? What's on your mind?
3: Well, I'm, you know, I, I've, I've been following the next two like you have been, and, and 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 last night was a great game, and it just makes you think about how unfortunate it was that they lost two of their starters. Well, actually, actually three, but lately two. When they did the trade deadline moves, with those two starters, if they were there, I mean, this team, would uh, at, at the very least, would be Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and Bronson's been carrying them. And it, it, they're only going to go as far as uh, recovering from those injuries. So it's interesting to watch, and I think they have a, a pretty good future. But, you know, for Knicks fans, after 20 years, the future's now. And <laughs> it makes it a little difficult, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, uh, they've, they've totally turn the corner as far as perception I think there was a minute there you know you think back to like 2015 2016 2017 when they won 17 games like it was just it was hopeless and then you know Leon Rose comes in and you get Thibodeau and you get Randall and each season you for the most part I mean I know after the 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 year in in 2021 they they regressed a little bit but Brunson's changed everything
3: well, you know, it's 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 crazy because uh, I, when I was a kid in high school, the next one, you know, and the last time they won, I was a freshman in high school, and that that's a long time ago, <laughs> 1973. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, I mean, that's the last time they won, and 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 like I said, it's, it's just unfortunate about the uh, about the injuries. But quickly to the Yankees, mm. you know, the, the Yankees biggest the Yankees biggest question marks are still the durability in their starting rotation because you know the, the, their starting rotation doesn't look bad on paper, but you know, they got a couple injuries there last year, and, and, and they have to stay healthy. And starting rotations never stay healthy all year. And uh, I just think that uh, the free agents that are out there, they're asking too much money. The price is high. They're still out there. So it's it's yet to be seen uh, how that works out. But um,
1: yeah, for sure. I, and and um, might, I think I've been
3: talking about it all night.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think um, with Snell and Montgomery in particular, it's going to it's just kind of like a standoff. Right. It's like, OK. Yeah. Is, is there going to be some sort of injury to a pitcher like we saw with the Mets um, in spring training where somebody's gonna get desperate and then their their services are really going to be needed I'm not too optimistic like the way Steinbrenner was talking this week it, it just sounds like they're not, Wanting to really get deeper Into that luxury tax hole And have to pay all this no, extra money I
3: think, Because you, like you said before They got to pay double I think they're going to be More along the lines Waiting till the d- deadline And try to make a couple of moves That way it's, it, it would go A little bit cheaper for them mm-hmm. um, You know and I, I just want to close I know you're up against it mm-hmm. You know it was a great show Your first time out as solo And I also want to just say uh, You know I, I was watching The Michael K. show At the end of Steve They promoted you They did a fantastic job As they always do And they've been great For your career and I, I tried to call in there a lot of times but i can't get through uh, having met don at at the racetrack those guys have always been great and and they they've kind of followed you and uh they're very supportive so i really thank them the best i can is through your show but uh, i just want to keep up the good work i want to let you go
1: all right that sounds perfect dad perfect yes. timing thanks so much for calling great to talk right. to you
3: and um I you, like i always tell you be safe going home
1: okay yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll text you when I get home, Dad. All right. Thanks. Man, what a gem. Paul Marino. And by the way, I just want to echo the sentiments that he had. I I know I said it when I started the show, but Michael, Don, and Peter, and really everyone here at ESPN New York, Alan, and and Rick, Dave, like everybody has just been so cool. And it's a big reason why I've loved listening. I've been a fan and regular listener here for like a decade now. And Um, It's a big reason why I wanted to start working here. So listen, um, I got to take another quick break uh, before we close out the show. So I'll be right back on ESPN New York.